Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, a Doctor Who podcast for the Grand Geek Gathering. Uh, we've had a bit of a hiatus, but we are back to discuss the newly reconstructed with animation Doctor Who Shada. And with me today is a brand new panelist, Michael Nixon. Michael, Hello. tell us about yourself. Howdy, everybody. Uh, Michael Nixon here from the Game of Rassilon podcast. Um, that's a, a Doctor Who RPG actual play podcast. Uh, you can follow us. Uh, new episodes every two weeks. Um, uh, I'm one of the uh, co-writers of the campaigns with uh, our game master, Ben Patton. Uh, uh, we have an amazing doctor in Riley Silverman. Oh, yeah, uh, she's great. This is just terrific. Um, mm. uh, uh, and our amazing companions, uh, my writing partner, Melinda Catherine Gross, and uh, a Family Guy writer, Dan Peck. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, so uh, we've been... Boy, we are a little bit ahead of where the show is, but uh, we just released our third, the, the end of our third serial. So cool. uh, I yeah. am behind, but I've been loving what I hear so far. Riley is great at the doctor moments of righteous fury, which is, is a hard thing to do, but almost one of the quintessential doctor moments. She blows us away every speech. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Not doctor moments, but what is it? Doctor, doctor traits. Righteous oh, yeah. Yes, she's great. She's great. You, you guys are all great. Yep. Oh, and uh, it's what is it? It's uh, somebody is from the 90s and Amelia Earhart, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, Melinda plays uh, Millie, uh, Amelia Earhart, pulled out of time. Initially, we keep it kind of cagey, but uh, by now, if you've been listening along, you know that she has been pulled out of time a little early. Uh, if you're a Torchwood viewer, you know when. Um, we decided to settle that bit of discrepancy in who can uh just sure. for fun uh and uh dan is a 90s librarian named travis yes. Gilliam. uh i don't know if we've gone public with this but he's travis parker killian so his acronym is tpk oh i i just find that very funny dan built that <laughs> in yeah um, and why not you know share and then I, as well as engineering the soundboards, I'm also, uh, at this point, uh, listeners may know I'm playing a character in the narrative as well, but uh, next serial is when we are revealing who I am. So I'm going to keep that quiet. Oh, cool. So wait, you're actually cleaning up uh, past errors of tor Torchwood? Well, we, we had the idea of having Amelia Earhart in the show, and mm -hmm. once we were looking into it, uh, Torchwood has this discrepancy when uh, the episode where the, the thirties folks come out of the rift um, mm -hmm. the forties folks come out of the rift. Um, and Diane, I believe her character's name is uh, notes that Amelia Earhart disappeared in 1932, which is not correct. Amelia Earhart disappeared in 1937. Uh, I think an intrepid research assistant may have uh, Googled the wrong solo flight. It worked out for us because we were playing with time anyway. And a lot of the narrative of, our series one, as it were, um, is about how time has gotten a little more flexible. Uh, <laughs> and we're not really delving into that too much until, you know, we are, because we're just trying to be light yeah. and fun. But we do have like a two-year plan and then where we would go from there. Yeah, well, time getting flexible, I think, is also very much in keeping with the spirit of Doctor Who. So. Oh, yes. And also, we, we, we realized that part of the heart of the show has got to be uh, canon. What's that? Uh, we have to, we just have to sort of live by that spirit yeah. of we are way in the future of Doctor Who. Don't worry about when or which or who or any of that. Like it's the Doctor. She's on adventures. It's great. 
Cool, cool. Welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you. And uh, let's yeah. talk about Shada. So, uh, just uh, well, first of all, uh, even though this is either two or I guess what would it be, uh, fifty years old, depending on where you date it from, uh, we're still going to be doing spoilers. Uh, I think uh, just a little background. Shada was going to be the climactic end to Doctor Who's season. 17 that was when it was doctor the doctor tom baker and romana second romana lala ward uh but it was they got half of it done and then it was disrupted by what they so charmingly call industrial action and uh apparently it disrupted tons of things on the bbc they thought they were going to finish it but then uh apparently other things were higher priority at the bbc and it never got finished and it's existed in various forms there's been novelizations a published script they did do a video release with Tom Baker providing narration for the missing bits, which I saw, although it was years ago, I vaguely remember it, but I remember it was, it was interesting, although it was kind of disappointing because the first half is kind of solidly what they have recorded because it was all in location in Cambridge. And then the second half was mostly like uh, nothing. So it was just Doctor Who talking more and more. And it was even an audio adventure with the eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, subbing in for Tom Baker. Uh, like I said, my connection I, I, years ago, although I vaguely remember it, I saw the, the reconstruction with Tom Baker providing narration. But Michael, was this your first encounter with Shada? No, mine first encounter oh. actually was the Eighth Doctor audio. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, because I, until Peter Capaldi rolled around, uh, Paul McGann was my favorite doctor. Mm -hmm. I am one of those four people who feels that way. Um, I'm friends with another one. So there you, go. you know Alan Kitzler, the, the guy yeah. who wrote Doctor Who History, his favorite, McGann as well. Oh, wow. We, we would have yeah. a lot to talk about. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and oh, I love that McGann is the, the doctor of novels and audios and comics and sort of that, that, yeah. He embodies the wilderness in that way. Uh, yeah. The wilderness years they talk about. Um, and that audio is a big part of that too, because what's cool in that audio is they're not just subbing in the eighth doctor. The eighth doctor comes in to president Romana's chambers. and goes, <laughs> Hey, we never finished Shada. So we should like go finish Shada. That's sort of a big meta joke. About. Yeah, so it, it becomes this thing of at some point they got whammied with the spheres and forgot, I guess. Um, <laughs> but then they, you know, return and do the whole adventure. Uh, but it's it's uh, Paul McGann and Lala Ward. Oh, wow. That was frightfully interesting. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, so let me – and this is uh, one of the other animation reconstructions. They've started doing uh, animated reconstructions for Missing Doctor Who's. Usually, uh, Missing Adventures, they've done what? They've done Power of the Daleks, and I think they're almost finished with the Makra Terror. They're about to release that. I'm trying to think, have they done any other animated reconstructions? Maybe not. But Shada, Shada is, is the only Tom Baker one, of course, because it's the only thing that is missing. And I don't know, my initial reaction to it, I mean, even though I, I thought there were some, some missing pieces, it's just so lovely and weird to see a fourth Doctor adventure that I'd never seen before. Uh, I grew up in a small town. We had a very small PBS station, and all they could afford was Tom Baker. So they showed Tom Baker again and again and again, and I, of course, watched it again and again and again. So watching this, it's like I stumbled onto some parallel universe of heretofore unknown Tom Baker adventures. 
So uh, without any specifics, it was it was lovely to watch. But uh, what did you think having? Uh, well, I guess yeah, you're you're probably more familiar with it than I am. What was your reaction to the uh, animated reconstruction of Shada? Uh, if I'm honest, when I was watching it, it I found it kind of frustrating. Mm. Um, I think the animation is is very well done. Don't get me wrong, but there there's certain restrictions to the animation they were doing. In yeah, the that's very true. And and in a way, I almost wonder with that with the budget they had, uh, if if resources could have been better spent, just like getting somebody in a yellow jacket to put <laughs> a red book in a microwave. You know, like there yeah. there are probably easier ways to fill in some of these gaps once you get to you know spaceships flying around and krargs and yes. all that stuff it it gets a little more difficult but yeah i think it was more to actually but maintain the the purity of what was there although i think mm. they did add one well there's the ending of course but there was only one live action i think they wanted to keep it as close as possible uh just the stuff that was already recorded was the live action stuff and then the rest was animated I also know, uh, just hearing them talk about Power of the Daleks, apparently budget is a constant consideration. I don't know why they don't have enough money. I hope if these are successful, they will start getting more money. I mean, I, I was surprised knowing that they didn't have the money to make it really good. I was surprised how well they did. But you're right. It, it, uh, well, I, I thought the animation was a little janky, like especially when Chris was on his bike that looked very sort of flash animation from the nineties to it, but you know, it's sort of, uh, it's the, it's the old, it's better than nothing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, my first new doctor who was scream of the Shalka. So <laughs> that's, uh, you know, cause I similarly was a PBS guy. I, I, oh, my yeah. first doctor who was actually Tom Baker turning into Peter Davison. Oh wow. The okay. first I ever saw of, of, of doctor who on TV, yeah. which I was, I was very confused about what the show was about. I got to tell you. Uh, yeah, quickly was, caught up. This was pre-internet, so when I actually stumbled on some Target novelizations, I was shocked to find out that there were these other doctors prior to Tom Baker. Like, I don't know. I guess I just thought John Pertwee was just this really weird way to start the series, you know, <laughs> like having him regenerate in the first two minutes or something. Same. I thought the Watcher for the longest time. I thought like the Watcher was the Doctor's natural form. Like I thought, like oh. there was a whole planet of like weird gray bug-eyed guys who were oh, like neat. the time people. But it was yeah. like, oh no, it was just that one time, and they never explain it. Don't worry about they it. They never like, freaking explain it. Like, yeah. It's a fundamental for me. It was like a fundamental part of the experience. You even have to be like, okay, that was weird. And we just like don't yeah. talk about it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's it's 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 funny how uh, the, my love for the show is so tied with it just being this weird broadcast from another channel from another planet that I. England, oh, yeah. that I had no idea what it was about. And I just, I loved it. But, uh, well, the other important thing about Shada is it's, it's the second, it's only one of two Douglas Adams credited adventures. Uh, I think what city of death is credited to David Agnew, mm -hmm. who is not an actual person. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's apparently the pseudonym they would get when they couldn't credit the person who wrote it, who was Dr. Who. And, and it's a, have, by the way, have you read Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency? I have. I love it. Yeah, but it's freaky. I, I was familiar with Shada, but it's freaky scene. It's basically Shada mixed with City of Death. It's it's the bad guy from City of Death trying to stop his race from taking off, which triggers human evolution, uh, paired with a, a very Professor Cronitis-type uh, immortal who is uh, hiding as a Cambridge Don. I oh, think yeah. it was Cambridge, yeah. It's like the uh, the third Hitchhikers is just Doctor Who and the Cricket Man. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I actually read that novel too. That was that was crazy to read, which was also Doctor Romana. Come to think of it, yes, yes, yeah. Uh, but anyways, now that we had it, what did you think of the story? I am uh, a great big nerd for Gallifrey stories and Time Lord stories. Oh yeah, yeah. Me so too. I and I especially love the Fourth Doctor era of Time Lords. Well, that's where they really, what's the word, uh, solidified into like, you know, what they look like now is ba- was basically invented in Deadly Assassin. Yeah. yeah and w- what's wild, though, is it, within the span of the Fourth Doctor era, the Time Lords are so different. Like the, the guy in Genesis of the Daleks with the Time Rings yeah, completely different from the Deadly Assassin. Uh, and even that operates differently from you know, Cronotus and Shada and what we understand of Time Lord lore and the, yeah. the, the revelations we would have gotten in this story about sort of the law of Gallifrey, as it were, yeah. um, and its origins. And, you know, the parts of the Time Lords that I love are when they're sort of mythical and strange and impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the the additions of things like Shada, this prison that they made themselves forget and you know, this, this book of law that actually has power yeah. uh, over space and time and just all that sort of, and, you know, nobody cracked a Time Lord puzzle like Douglas Adams just saying, yeah. oh, they read the book backwards. Full spoilers here. Yeah, we're going to talk about this, the series. So if you haven't seen it, you okay. don't want spoilers, go watch it and come back. We'll wait. Yeah, yeah I, I think... Well, I might be projecting, but it seems like Doug Adams' favorite part of this script is Professor Cronotus. You know, he just loves the old, doddering, slightly eccentric Don. And uh, that whole thing about, like, you can't find verb tenses that work when you deal with time travel was, I think, something that popped up in one of the iterations of Hitchhiker's Guide. So that's also a Douglas Adams' favorite. And uh, uh, I think it, uh, what is it, it, it might have my favorite line when uh, he just says, you can't think, you can't talk properly when you're talking through time. And then he asks uh, the fourth doctor if he wants tea. And he says, well, I would not have said no, which uh, <laughs> seems like something he just came off the top of his head, but just, uh, although probably not, because that's typical Douglas Adams humor. Yeah, 50 50 uh, chance, really. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, you never know if he's so. going to like listen to a glass of water. Sometimes yeah. it happens. I was very surprised. It's, I think, two hours and 18 minutes, which would be the full amount for a six-parter, because I kept feeling like we were missing some scenes, you know? I, I, what, what did you think of that? Did, did it seem complete? No, I mean, it certainly, between the different changes, no. Uh, okay. But it it felt more like a four-parter to me. It's funny to hear that it was... Two, I didn't even realize it was 2.18. Uh, I was shocked when I saw the time because I also thought there were some some things missing. Like I I definitely think there was more or should have been more, but probably was more between uh, Skagra and the Doctor and Skagra and Romana. I got a very Jagaroth vibe off Skagra, but the fun thing in City of Death was watching uh, Jagaroth, uh, you know, verbally spar with the Doctor. And we got very little of that even Romana didn't get much of a chance she she was just sort of there so Skagger could you know uh, uh what's the word monologue about his plans yeah she was playing the doctor role from a different serial yeah and meanwhile Tom Baker is I guess romancing a computer yeah uh, I, could, stuff. I could be wrong but from the the reconstruction I thought there were a few more scenes of the doctor basically using the logic of the computer to basically 
completely manipulate it to do whatever he wants. You know, that, that seemed a little missing too. Like they jumped from the computer thinking the doctor was dead and therefore he could help him to being controlled by the doctor, which I thought was. Yeah. I, I'm, I can't remember from the McGann version if there's more with that computer, but that yeah. that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and I love that character and the the back and forth with the Doctor. Yeah, that that was also very classic Douglas Adams. The the computer that's a little too logical for its own good. Yeah, her, and Tom her, Baker her. arguing like yes. its logic to a logical machine is yes or illogic, Perfect. however that would be. Yeah, um, and the other thing I absolutely love. Skagra's outfit, the sort of the evil oh, Elton John look. Yes. And I love him just sort of walking through uh, Cambridge in this ridiculous, he looks like evil Elton John. <laughs> and like nobody looks at him twice, you know, even though he's also carrying what I could only describe as like Mary Poppins overnight bag. He has like a weird, he has a carpet bag, doesn't he, to hold the sphere? It yeah. does not go with that outfit. I I say evil, evil Elton John, but I think Elton John could accessorize a little better. Like and it seems like Skagra changed capes randomly once or twice too, which oh, was yeah. very entertaining. Well, he, his whole wardrobe was very random. Like he changed out of it into like just like a jacket and sweater or leather jacket and sweater at some point, which. Yeah. And they never come back to that. Like a, yeah, which is weird because the whole point was like nobody cared that he was dressed like that, you know. And plus, uh, Tom Baker gets another great line of like, you know, he, he he gives his big speech about, you know, conquering the universe. And all Tom Baker says is, yeah, I'm not really fond of your tailor, which would work so much better with evil Elton John. But it's just his like, you know, his little dad ensemble that he's got on. Yeah, I wonder if the costumer struck first. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I saw a little bit of the back uh, behind the scene things. And apparently, even though they got the Cambridge shoot done, it was it was a little touch and go. There were like little mini strikes that were popping up mm. like the apparently the bike chase with the sphere. Uh, it was going to be at night and they found out on midnight the day before that they that they didn't they lost the night and they had to shoot it at 11 a.m. the next day which Whoa. is insane. Yeah. And apparently the bartender who was listening to them plan was in an acapella group and asked if him and his mates could just sort of be in the show. And I guess at this point they were a little punch drunk because the, the director Pennant Roberts was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Which is how we got Chattanooga Choo Choo in an episode of Dr. Who. That. Okay. This, the more I hear about this serial, the more like a Doctor Who serial it feels. Yeah, so, exactly. This is good. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it it was cool. It, it's also weird. Like for I keep wondering, were, were they like planning a backdoor pilot of like the adventures of Professor Cronotus, Chris and Claire? Because they were they they got a lot of good development. Although that is something with classic Doctor Who, they spend a little more time with their guest characters than a lot of shows. Yeah, they have more episodes to do it. It's not just 45 minutes and out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, which is, I know a lot of people bitch about the pacing problems in Doctor Who, but I really like, like, I just saw the wheel in space, or what we have of the wheel in space, I should say. Mm -hmm. And, like, the Cybermen aren't even in the first two episodes. And the first two episodes are just us getting used to, like, the people on the space station. It's 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 slower, but it's really cool just to sort of, like, live with these people for a while before the, you know, the aliens attack, you know? Yeah, El Sandifer has this great idea of Doctor Who she talks about where, you know, Classic Who will set up an entirely different show and then the TARDIS <laughs> will smash into it and be like, oh, Doctor Who is here to mess up your show. 
or like <laughs> Doctor Who is now inside your show to yeah. to be Doctor Deal with Who. It. Yeah. You know, it's happening. Um, it's so true. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, this feels like that. But what's, you know, the, the double fake of it is that Cronotus is a Time Lord too. He, yeah. he has that same Doctorish quality. Uh, it's it's great seeing three Time Lords interact. Yeah, that's so true. Just casually. It's not a thing that happens a lot. I feel like if 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 they were to try to do it in the in the modern series, the all the horns and bombastic music would drown out all the like pleasant tea time conversation. There just wouldn't be room. Um, I don't know. Well, the new who would be now that the weird sort of atonal electronic thing they got going, which I like. But oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's 180 degrees from what they used to do. Yeah, that's true. I got to stop thinking of uh, Murray Gold's School Bell of Danger. <laughs> thinking of the new compositions. Yeah. <laughs> Please, Murray, tell me what to feel for every second of this scene. Great composer. Good work. Yes, that's true. But um, jamming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they, I mean, he was great. There, there were a few times where, like, I just wish they maybe turned him down in the mix a little bit. Like, there are times yes. where they're like, you know, I know what I'm supposed to feel. You don't need to tell me. You know? <laughs> yeah. But yes, this is this is all all props to uh, Murray Gold, of course. Um, I think what else? And speaking uh, of, of composition, actually, I mean, the, the soundtrack in this one struck me as really quite good. I don't oh. know how much of it was original and how much of it. It was a mix. Yeah. Apparently, oh, really? I forget. They had to bring in a new composer because Ron Gardner. Oh, God, I'm probably wrangling that name. Grainer, yes, of course. Ron Grainer has passed away. So they brought in a new composer who specifically tried to compose stuff in in Ron's sort of metier, what Ron had. So it was a, it was a collaboration of sorts. They yeah, did but, very good work. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of my other favorite moments. There were there were quite a few. I actually like the crags. I just love the idea of like uh, uh, an alien built out of just little bits of what was it, silicon or carbon? They have like lying in a vat. Yeah, the crags are uh, a, a, you know of a, a variety of strange and wonderful Doctor Who background yeah. grunts. Yes, they have like a really great. Here's a fun idea I had. Yeah. Monsters in the background, kind of quality. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, you know, like the gel guards or uh, uh, the the skin guy, the the uh, the stiff, oh. whatever his name was from Smith and Jones, the 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 stub, whatever that was, the fake. Um, oh, the guy, the the straw. Oh no, wait, wait, the the, the slab, the slab, the adipose, or. Uh, he, was lab. he was a guy in the like uh motorcycle helmet who's just sort of like oh oh the one, yeah the oh the henchman yeah yeah sorry we went down a rabbit hole well these guys they have like the elements of a great classic doctor who monster which is one you can outrun them which is very important oh yes very important and they, they got a weird voice and they're kind of scary when you're young and kind of silly when you're older yeah, that, yeah. that's that's classic doctor who right they feel there. like a kid's drawing come to life yeah, exactly. I love that, and like the good, you know, baddies, the you know the pyramid of Mars mummies. You know, it's just yeah. a kid like scribbled a mummy, and it's giant. It's so cool. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, and back, you know, and this goes back to the classic, classicest of them all, the Daleks and the Cybermen. They're they're dangerous, but they're kind of slow. Yeah, easy to outrun. Yeah, 
Uh, I don't know. I've been talking a bunch. Why don't, yeah, are there any favorite moments from the from the serial you'd like to share from the adventure? Oh boy. Um, I love once they get to Shada that the Time mm-hmm. Lords aren't just like looking like the Doctor and Romana. Like there's a purple guy and like a lady with like crazy face stuff and you know all these oh. various different kinds of. Time Lords yeah, in the I, I thought they weren't Time Lords. I thought they were like criminals that the Time Lords had caught and imprisoned because they were too dangerous. That may also be yeah. what it was, and I could have read it totally wrong. But Who knows? Uh, well, uh, if we're talking about stuff getting read wrong, like I was really thrown because I thought uh, uh, Skygra's – oh, shoot. What's, uh, Skygra's whole plot was – he was uh, – Skagra, sorry – his whole plot was he was going to replicate his brain in everybody else's, which I thought was really interesting because that's like a supervillain plot I haven't heard before. But when he actually did the sphere thing, they just sort of became mindless zombies, which I thought was a little less interesting. Yeah, it just felt like – and also, uh, hard as they try, that silver sphere zapping onto somebody's forehead – I mean, Cronotus kind of sells it because he's a great actor, but yeah. one or two of those folks are just like, Zoop, oh. <laughs> I've been sphered. The sphere has attached itself to my head. Yes. And it oh, sort of yeah. fall over. Yeah. Uh, well, that was another thing I really wanted because when we first meet Skagra, he's got this whole cool, like, the universe is chaos versus life, which is, like, interesting. And it's that whole thing about the, the villain being the hero of their own story. And I, I, I wish we'd had a little more of that. He just sort of turned into your basic, like, uh, you know, bad guy with minions who he tells to destroy the, the, the doctor, you know? Yeah. And once they get to the science Institute, some of the most interesting stuff about Skagra is the, the, the withered scientists explaining his backstory and how he was yeah. the guy who came out of nowhere with all these talents. And the fact that he's from this like offshoot time Lord world is like yeah, one line. Bizarre. Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, about Dronin. It's it's like a word pun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a... Such a weird thing to drop. Oh, yeah, there were these other guys who broke off from Gallifrey a few millennia ago. You know how you do. We'll <laughs> never hear life. from them again. I mean, we what? don't. It's yes. never come up. Yeah. I feel like Doctor Who is one of the only shows where you can do something huge like that. And, you know, 50 yeah. years later, if there's still a show, people are like, no, 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 no. We don't talk about that. Well, the whole bizarre thing is like, was there beef with Gallifrey? Was that Gallifrey wasn't non-interferent enough? So they were going to show those guys by being so completely non-interfering, no one would ever hear of them. I mean, that's, yeah. I guess, yeah. That's one way to do it. <laughs> Remember, they hid so effectively, they just avoided the time war completely. It's, they were so they just, boring. They, they, just, they decided to, yeah, they decided to erase themselves from time just to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and this was, I don't know, maybe you caught this. There was a cliffhanger that looked like it was missing something. It's the one where it, it's at the Advanced Science Institute and the the crowd goes crazy and starts like putting stuff on fire and stuff. And Chris leaves, brings back a rope or a wire, ties the doctor's legs with it and drags him out of the room. Did you understand what was going on there? No. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't know if maybe Chris was supposed to have been whammied or something. I, or the doctor whammied, yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe. 
Because like the last we saw, the doctor was still running from the crowd. He didn't need to be dragged out. But yeah, that, there might have been a scene or two there missing. Hmm. But yeah, why not animate it? It's, it was probably that. All they needed to do was animate uh, the doctor getting conked on the head before Chris runs out. Yeah, or just get, uh, you know, put a, a curly wig on a mannequin head and attach a silver beach ball to it. Yes. Real quick shot, quick cutaway. Quick you cutaway. got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just throwing yeah. it out there. You can do it on the cheap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, shoot. I wish we had Ben for this one because I also wanted to ask, what the heck is a jink? Do you remember that? Yes, I have no idea. And Ben would definitely have a good joke for this day. Yes, yes, he would know. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I love it. It's just, it's apparently, I bet it's some childhood thing where like you yell it before you run away, which is pretty much exactly how the doctor uses it. Yeah. Romana seemed either to know what it was or to be entertaining him. You can never really tell with her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, plus it sounded like a reference to something that everybody would know and find hilarious the doctor was using, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then uh, it could also just be like spack off and he said a line wrong yeah, yeah. you never know with tom uh, yeah so like i said this was going to be the climax of season 17 but since it was cut uh, i don't know if you know this but do you know what actually wound up being the the climax to uh to season 17 of doctor who the last i believe the last graham williams and uh Douglas Adams produced doctor who Oh, no. Not off the top of my head. I'm going to be very embarrassed. Okay, no problem. I mean, I had to look it up. So don't worry. I had to look it up. But it was it was the Horns of Nyman. Oh, the Horns of Nyman. I love the Horns of Nyman. Kind of perfect. Okay. I love the Horns of Nyman, too. I mean, that that guy chews the scenery like nobody's business. It's it's in a weird way. It's a, it's a wonderful, what's the word, capstone for that era, which just leaned into the wackiness very hard. And it's another yeah. great Romana story, too. Yeah, season seventeen yeah, is very, very good to her character. I, yeah. I rewatch it very often because I, I like Romana quite a bit. Yeah, Romana's great. I mean, I think she does good in season eighteen, although it's been a while since I've seen it. But I remember that being a very strong season. Yeah, I, I I've just been rewatching Leisure Hive recently because I've been oh, doing wow. the whole kind of watch through, and I'm up to season eighteen now. And um, yeah, Leisure Hive is. It's very good. It's better than I think it it has been remembered. Uh, yeah. and the, the beginning stuff with them on Brighton is so much fun. Mm -hmm. It's just great. Like Tom and Lala and a tin dog banter. <laughs> yeah. It had a great freshness to it. Yeah. I really liked yeah. season 18. Although I wish this could have come before then, but at least we have it now. Yeah. It's, it's, and we'll always have at least the parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. So one day somebody can like deep fake Tom Baker back into the thing with some crazy AI that rebuilds Shada. Yeah, or just, well, um, I hate to sound ungrateful. I just wish the, or just have a little better dialogue, or, or not dialogue, sorry, great dialogue, a little better animation, and maybe just, I, I, I keep thinking there are a few missing scenes that just need to go in there just to fill the whole thing out, you know? Yeah, once computers replace people, we'll just fully reanimate the thing. Oh, well, fingers crossed, yes. It'll be haunting, but also really cool. Yes, it'll be a wonderful trade-off for our new uh, AI overlords. They'll, they'll give us back all the Doctor Who. And then the Doctor will hopefully save us. We'll find out. <laughs> True. Okay, so Shada, uh, definitely see it. It's uh, available on Blu-ray. I got it off Amazon. I know, where, where, where did you see it? I did the Amazon thing. I bought it for like 10 bucks to get all the special features. Yeah, me too. I figure me if too. I'm going to own it, I might as well own the whole thing. 
Yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah. But also Big Finish, they only have the audio version on CD. But if you're oh. curious, I highly recommend it. It's okay. Cool. Very good. I will check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. And so. This has been uh, our recap, our analysis of Dr. Hushada, a uh, missing season 17 story brought back to life through the wonders of animation. And, oh, shoot, um, as always, I forgot my little closing thing. Tyler, would you mind sending that to me? Oh, another side note, uh, you know that actor Chris? Uh, you find, have you, I, I take you haven't seen the special, uh, what do you call it, the special features yet? I have not. Two weird things. Well, well one cool thing, one weird thing. Uh, the, the guy who plays Chris, what's his name? Um, Daniel Hill met the new PA on Dr. Who, uh, their first shooting in Cambridge and they like fell in love. They're married like 50 years later. They have three kids, a couple grandkids. So, uh, so something good came out of, came out of, uh, Shada. Wow. A marriage yeah. that worked out of the yes. era of Dr. Who. That's yes. nice. I like that. Well, yes. And on the other, like, this is weird. Like they have bits of people recording the dialogue and none of Lala Ward recording it. I don't know if she didn't want to be filmed or what, but it was like weird. Cause I'd love to see what she looks like now, you know? Yeah. Maybe she just showed up in like a hoodie and was like, no, no, <laughs> I'm in my yeah. yoga pants. Leave me be. Yeah. I mean, she definitely, what's the word pitched in on the, on the dialogue. But yeah. It was, it was weird. I was sort of looking forward to seeing her. I haven't seen her since, since she's been a Romana, to be honest. Okay, cool. Anyways, Michael, take it away. Plug away. Yeah, before we go, uh, if folks are curious about the game of Rassilon, uh, you can find us at Rassilon Pod on Twitter, uh, Instagram. We're on Facebook now, too. Uh, and you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I don't know if we're on Spotify, actually. Maybe. Let's find out. Uh, and the, the cool thing is you can actually ask the little uh, demon can whose name I won't uh, tell you, uh, that fun Amazon cylinder, uh, you can <laughs> ask her to play the game of Rassilon, and she will play an episode of the podcast. It's oh, cool. super cool. I tried it at a friend's house. It freaked them out. First of all, the, the, the demon cylinder knows the word Rassilon. That's really cool. And she also knows the word lethargica, which I did not see coming. Great. Thanks for listening. Check out our other podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. And check out our site, thegrandgeekgathering.com, all one word, for our articles, videos, and more. You can stay updated from our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week, and GGG.